0: Welcome back to Fully Equipped, home of the world champion, Texas Rangers. Yes. Never going to stop. It's never going to stop, boys. This is going to be the Gene Speaker bit. <laughs> I'll get, I'll, I, I'm done with it after this week, I promise. But last week we were on the pod. Rangers had a chance to close it out, and they did. It was glorious. As somebody who's been a Texas Rangers fan his entire life, it makes up for 2011, probably the darkest sports day of my life. Eh, maybe that or 77 nothing and I'm losing to Oklahoma. That was also a very dark day. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say both those were were eliminated. Rangers winning the right up there with the Mavericks winning in 2011. Those were those are some great moments. But I took my kids to the World Series parade. Oh, it was so good. Although I did have a moment when I got out of the car and I've got three young kids and it's just me. And you know, in Arrested Development, I made a huge mistake. I, yeah. I, I, yep. I said, se- I said it, I'm like, God, this is so stupid. They were, they were saying that there were half a million people at the parade.
1: Now did the, did the parade go like actually move? because the only like experience I have was, is the uh, like the Raptors when they won a few years ago, the buses couldn't move for hours. People were just so busy in downtown that what was supposed to take like, you know, 90 minutes and get to like, you know, near city hall and have this party took like four hours. They were like so late. It just blocked because they're just, they couldn't move. There weren't, there were so many people or did like, did it actually go along the route that it was supposed to. It
0: It was, I'm gonna, a lot of people complained I will be one of those in that camp. It was not great. It was a lot of fun because it was like twenty-five to thirty deep, which I've never seen for for a parade before. I'm I'm sure that they've been like that, but it just it was it was crazy. Even the when the Mavericks won, I don't remember it being that that many people. But they had each player on a on a Toyota truck in the bed. With his family or significant significant other, whoever. But they kept reusing the same trucks. So they'd bring the players around and then they'd have them get out and then somebody else would hop back in. So my kids, you know, my kids are young, but thankfully, my my oldest, she's not even a teenager, but she's almost 5'11. Um, yeah, she's she's a that a helps. Giant. That helps in crowds,
1: like for sure. It does help in crowds. So so <laughs>
0: our our son was able to like hop on her back. And look, when the when the players were rolling by, but it was very painful because it's like, oh wait, here comes a player, and it's like, no, it's just uh, it's just one of the it's the third base coach, or it's what's, it, what's his baseball. name? Did, Al, did, Al, did,
1: Al, did Altuve have to sit on anyone's shoulders to get
0: seen? Is he still a Ranger? I forgot. Wow, RB, you you are terrible <laughs> when it comes to baseball. Altuve.
1: I don't know. Uh, he's, anytime he's, I think of the Texas Rangers, I'm sorry, but I just think of Bautista's home run. That's all I think of. I know. I know we ended up losing anyways, but I think of the Homer.
0: Altuve is a Houston Astro. He is a sworn enemy of the Texas Rangers. Oh, that's right. That's blasphemy. Anyways, I'm it, sorry. Anyway, no, it that's it. Anyway, it was it was not great. It was still a lot of fun. We saw all the big name players, but it was like two hours of just a lot of waiting. So anyway, wanna, World Series champion Texas Rangers. That's all I gotta say.
1: I would say what I'm really excited for is like when when the Boston Ball Frogs like win like what the parade will be like around Fenway like Rory and Keegan <laughs> and the other two guys. I can't even remember right now. Like just, Oh, Adam Scott. I forgot. Adam Scott. Like Adam Shane Scott, Lowry like, and How's Lowry. Like, there you go. So like, can you imagine all those, the four of them in Boston driving around after coming up from Florida and the TGL and in their, in their parade? I can't, uh, I can't wait. I can't visualize that at all. Um, But uh, we'll see. Like I said, I, I I don't know how this is going to go. We're way off the rails at this point. But uh, yeah, that's we went that's from all I can we went from the part. World
0: Series to the TGL. That's a that's a pretty it's a pretty big jump. Anyway,
1: Chris is uh, over here shaking his head like
0: oh, crap. What have I got myself into? <laughs> yeah, let, let's let's get back right. to some gear talk. And I, I mean, let's start with Kirkland. This is an interesting one. So. RB noticed in his, you know, snooping around on the USGA conforming list that Kirkland has a new driver. And if it's on the conforming list, you would generally think that you're going to see it at some point. Although, RB, you mentioned that that's not always the case. Sometimes they bring out product on the conforming list. And in the case of Kirkland, we haven't seen some of those products yet but
1: yeah, there, there was uh, are you betting money I, I, that
0: the driver's going to come out?
1: I would say because of the way that the, the, there was the, the leaked slide uh, from the manager's meeting uh, earlier this year, because I can, and I, I looked it up cause I couldn't remember when I wrote it, but it was, it was January 1st. It was like first, it was like new year's day. And I remember like hanging out with my, like hanging out at home with my family. And it was like, there's a new Kirkland Iron. I should probably write about this, which you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I'll book the vac. I'll like you know I'll bank the vacation day, but that came out and then it eventually disappeared off the list and it never came out, right? So there was like a first iteration. We also saw Gen 2 Kirkland Signature wedges that never came out. Although the from what I read online, again, I know where somehow warehouses are different, but like some of the wedges did get discounted at some point. But to see the driver show up on this slide that was leaked from the manager's meeting with yellow golf balls, which are now out and hollow body irons all with the delivery date ETA of uh, November 1st only has me thinking that like they're going to come out at some point. Like it, they wouldn't Christmas put together like, a company, the
0: quarter, so a company that think- big
1: is not going to put together a slideshow with that amount of planning ETA showing what the purchasing power of that was. I think for golf balls it was like $25 million. It was insane it was like $2 million worth of driver product. It was like, it was crazy. Like they showed their buying right? It's an wow. internal slide. Um, but to see that and then like not have it come out would be like completely shocking. Um, and I think you know, there's a lot of people, there's going to be a lot of YouTube frames where it's like, you won't believe. And there's going to be like the, the thumbnail with like a yellow thing and a Kirkland hot dog and something. And then they'll be like, wow, you won't believe this company. This company's going to take down every big OEM, right? Like I hate all that junk. But anyways, um, so that's why I like informative videos. Like Chris just did one for the AI putters from Odyssey, which I will I'll plug. That was great, Chris. Um, Thank but you. yes, Thank I, you. I I think that this is coming soon, and I'm very interested in testing.
0: <laughs> I mean, you can't see a whole lot from these black and white pictures. Uh, what is it? It's 200 bucks. Is that what is that what you saw, RB? 199 adjustable
1: driver, likely all titanium. It doesn't say, um, and one loft. No information on on shaft product. Um, from what I understand, the wedges, although it doesn't, I don't think it ever set on it. I have to check. Um, I, they might have been like a true temper, like S two hundred or something. So I, I can, I would imagine they're probably using something along the lines from true temper or graph which is kind of their more entry level product um, price point shaft models. But other than that, I have no idea what what it is. And I think it's going to be fascinating to uh, be in Carlsbad. Next week doing some visiting of OEMs and and just asking the question like what is does this mean anything to you guys? Like does it? Because they're
0: not gonna they're not they gonna say anything. They're not gonna I know
1: no one's gonna say anything, but you know, maybe maybe someone will ask. like just have an opinion, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You have to
2: ask. You you said it was Optiforce two They just took all well, of say, the old yeah. Optiforce. <laughs> is And if we're using I bring bring back the uh the Pro Launch Red, the Pro Launch Blue. I'm sure they have a bunch of those sitting around. And uh, now we've got our Kirkland driver.
1: Good to go. Is that, will that be, uh, being a price point option at the at TrueSpec locations, Chris? Or what do you think of that? It, you know, I don't see
2: that particular model making it into the matrix. I mean, I suppose if there's demand like we've had for Ventus or Autoflex or anything from TaylorMade Callaway ping titles, I mean, we might consider it. But the likelihood of the uh, the Kirkland driver making it into the Matrix is probably not very good.
0: It's so hot right now; it gets the people going. You, you got it, You got to yeah, go to the yeah. Matrix. It,
2: it, we'll we'll put it up there with a the vertical groove driver. We'll put it up there <laughs> with the uh, the
0: old air hammer, and hey, uh, hey, we'll just, I we'll just see how it does. Let's we'll not see dunk how on the let's not dunk on the Kirkland driver just yet. For Two hundred bucks. I we're gonna test this thing when it comes out. I, I actually am very excited every week that I usually make a weekly trip to Costco because uh, our kids eat us at a house at home. Like a lot of parents out there with with more than one kid, they're probably nodding their head right now. So every time I go, I am on the lookout for this Kirkland driver now that RB says that it's, it's coming. I'm expecting it by in the next couple of weeks. I think by Thanksgiving, we'll see this driver.
2: I could see that. Yeah,
0: I imagine it being
2: like
1: a a potentially like a Black Friday. I know like things don't. They Costco doesn't store things. Like I I remember, I listened to this like three hour podcast on Costco the other day, um, at at double speed, by the way. Which apparently like my my wife's like, "How do you listen to this? It sounds like Mickey Mouse is talking." Um, But it's a three hour podcast. I got to get through that thing. And like they don't store anything. Like if it comes in, it goes out, right? So like uh, they're not holding it for like Black Friday or anything like that. Like it's it's going to come in. It's going to it's going to find its way onto the floor, and. I think it's going to be really interesting because we know from a Costco perspective, I know OEMs are like fairly, I know we, most people know what clothing markups are is fairly large, but the, the margins on like in Costco are, I think it's 14% for non perishable items and then 17% for perishable items. So you know what that driver costs them like to get it to where it is in the store to make that margin on it, that 14%, like, you know what it costs them in, in like, in parts and suppliers and like getting to that point of being in the store. So I think it is like a, it's a, it's going to be a fascinating experiment to see because we all know that there isn't, there's a, there's a point of like, okay, this is, it's going to cost this much more, this much horsepower to go this much faster. Right? So where does this land on the scale of performance for $199 versus a driver that's been completely and utterly fully fit with all of the latest technology for $799. Right. Because I'll tell you right now, just like the wedges, there's going to be a lot of golfers out there who don't care to spend what they're, which would they're like that $800 on a driver, which I understand. Like I fully respect and understand that to say, like, this is really good. <laughs> like this is really good for that value. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that entire system, like how this entire thing plays out.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's all titanium? Are we, are we thinking titanium crown as well? Or do we think carbon fiber?
2: For two hundred bucks, I'd be surprised if there was. Yeah,
0: Carbender. I don't know, but it's weird. Kirkland does some stuff that makes you go, "Wow!" For that price, you're getting all that inside. That's pretty good, that's and I'm true. not talking golf clubs. I'm I'm talking other Kirkland products as well. I I don't know. Sure, I would. I I tend to agree, but it. I think to me that's a little bit of the thing that makes me the most excited. Is we don't quite know what the crown construction is just yet. I, for two hundred bucks, yeah, I would I would think it's probably all titanium construction, but
1: I don't know. I was trying to figure out the um, like the hosel design because you can only see a little bit from the picture, but it looks okay, No, don't 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 come at me and be like, no, this company made it or that company made it because I'm not saying that it came from an, a manufacturer overseas, right? But like, it looks kind of like a um, more along the lines of a, of a hosel from PXG or Ping.
0: That's it, what I was going it, to say.
1: It's kind of it's kind of like more coned at the top. You don't see a huge uh, amount of of yep. lettering on it like whereas TaylorMade you see the higher and lower and Callaway has like cogs and Titleist has cogs. So, from a simplicity standpoint, I think I mean that they do so much they're a huge company. Like they do so much market testing and all of these things um that I do think at least from the whatever cost I think from the slide it's like they 2 million dollar buy in, which for Costco is like a It's like a drop in the bucket so if it works it works and if it doesn't work then they're just going to say well you know what we tried but to to think that you know they're they're going to experiment with releasing a single product which is a a golf driver which is already a niche product into warehouses and they're going to spend two million bucks on it to see how this like plays out with their consumers which generally trend to be or tend to be people with a household income of more than one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and like more affluent and like all these things like it's, I just think it's going to be fascinating because someone's going to get a hold of one of these things and go, this thing is awesome. And other people are going to try it and go, I need a driver with seven degrees of loft or I need to drive with 14 degrees of loft. But to see how it plays out, the near the nerd in me, the gear nerd, the the person who's just absolutely curious, it has me fired up. And to think that it's like of, of right now, this time of year, the driver that's got me fired up is from the same place I'm going to go buy like a, like a 300 pack of diapers for our two-year-old. It's pretty <laughs> cool and kind of funny
0: something else I want to point out on this driver is it's coming in one loft, 10 and degrees, which I think is, I mean, look, when we started robotic testing, we did one loft, 10 and degrees. So it's a pretty standard loft. I think it's going to fit a lot of golfers. If you're looking at the the sole and trying to gather some clues on what the hell this driver does, I can see, um, some sort of a weight screw there. It's, you know, centrally located towards the, the back along the back perimeter of the head, which would lead me to believe that this is there, it's probably going to be more of a max forgiveness driver. You know, high launch, you know, more stability. This is not like they're not getting into the, you know, low launch, low spin, like LST world. This is this is a cheeseburger driver. It's trying to fit a large range of handicaps. And I think that's what you're going to get. But I, I will tell you this. It kind of back to RB's point about the like the YouTube videos that proclaim you know stuff like this to be the best. It, there's there's there are a lot of Kirkland fanboys out there. I'm I am fully prepared for all of the Kirkland love when this driver comes out. It's gonna happen. I think by by the time we test it. And we're running robotic testing as we speak. Gene is ripping through drivers right now on the, the golf laboratory swing robot. And we're actually starting to see some of those numbers. He's been sending us screenshots via text. But I, I'm i going to say this driver falls somewhere in the, the middle of the pack. I don't think it's going to be great. I don't think it's going to be terrible. I think it's going to be like smack dab there in the middle. It'll be a serviceable driver, and for two hundred bucks, I think it, I think they're going to sell a lot.
2: I, I absolutely see them selling a t- yeah a ton of these things for sure. As there's, I mean, just people that for the price point alone go, yeah, that's worth a try. Especially when you're looking at the majority of the OEMs out there that are, you know, five to six hundred plus dollars. You can go, eh, I could. Get a brand new adjustable driver for two hundred bucks and gamble on it, or gamble on something that's going to cost me six hundred plus. And if you're a weekend warrior and just somebody out there getting into golf, yeah, it's kind of a no brainer in my opinion.
1: If this is true, like if all of these, things, so we know if let's say the driver does come out at one ninety nine, right? Um, so now we've got a driver for one ninety nine. You can buy two dozen golf balls for, I think it's like twenty nine bucks you can get you see golf bags. I know they have like bags from like, uh, like uh, SMU Skus, like s- special makeup units for uh, like Callaway or Pebble Beach, which I think are like, again, don't roast me. I'm just making assumptions. So this is my opinion. Allegedly. There we go. That's the word allegedly <laughs> the made from like made from companies allegedly. like like Sun Mountain and things like that for like 199 139. You've got a, a set of wedges for 139 you could put the, and if the irons come out at dollars 499, which is what the slide also indicated, you've got a set of golf clubs with a bag and a oh wait, and a putter for like 150. You got a full set of you were, you're, you you can get some K-Sig gloves, you can get some K-Sig hats, you can get some K-Sig hoodies, some polos. You could be out there like Mr. K-Sig for like 1000 bucks. To me that is sweet. <laughs> like I don't care <laughs> what anyone says. You know, it's like don't give, like I'm just waiting for that YouTube video. Like I'm just waiting for the first guy or girl. RB just wants
0: Jeez. that sweet, sweet K money. That's that's why they don't he's...
1: sponsor anybody. That's the whole point. That's like the whole thing. They don't spend any money yet, on marketing
0: yet. Yet until yeah, until they yeah, reach out to RB.
1: Yeah, there we go. I'll,
0: I'll take <laughs> RB, any. I know they don't discount, but ambassador. listen, I'll
1: take. You want to send a bunch of diapers? I'm going to say I think five,
0: send you some discounted diapers.
1: But like it's it is. I think it's I think it's fascinating because. I said this before and I said this about PXG, like PXG because of their their direct to consumer pricing and the way they've done things, they could have, they could like in essence, like take a big hit out of like the, these smaller direct to consumer brands that are pushing through social media and using YouTubers and using social media people to say these driver, these clubs are going to take on the OEMs. And look, you know who I'm probably talking about and I'm not poking fingers. Everyone's making money here. That's fine. Like whatever it is, what it is, right? Like, but the idea of, this would like not showing up and, and like this product showing up and having people being able to try it and have it be literally like an unbiased opinion of being like, look, I tried it and it's probably pretty good. Like that is a very interesting prospect within the, the real, the world of equipment because, you know, for us, we test, which is a huge part of like why I love doing this because we have a robot. We don't, Gene does. <laughs> I don't have one yet. Um, But we have a robot that gives us information. Like we put golf clubs on it. And it gives us information, right? Like it's just the information that we share with people is just what the robot's telling us. We're not going out. No one's sending us money to give us and say like, Oh, the ball speed on this driver is five miles an hour faster. Any of that junk, right? Like that to me is what the most interesting part of this whole thing is because you have a product that could really sway a lot of people to trying something. And that's all they're trying to do, right? They're just trying to add more sales to their carts when it comes to Costco and Kirkland. So we'll see. I just want to see like the full Kirkland golfer. I want the full, I want the full Kirkland golfer. I want to see that. I want to see that video.
0: <laughs> RB doesn't have a swing robot yet, but once that case, sig Bunny comes in, that first phone call is going to be to Gene for his own robot. Guaranteed. Maybe, maybe they'll reach out to Gene and then they'll be like, hey,
1: look, can you design a product that's similar to yours, but like not quite up, to, like, you know, reaches the standard of your swing robot? So we have the, the Kirkland signature robot that you can buy. Then I'm all in on that.
0: Can we get Kirkland to sponsor the podcast or club test? <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. they have Brandon. There we are.
0: <laughs> uh, if they want to get this Texas Rangers hat off my head, they're going to need to pay up. because It's not going anywhere. Anyway, it, I, I will say out. of all the products that are coming out, I, I think this Kirkland driver is very fascinating. And there is some really cool stuff coming out from the major OEMs. But I, I think there's a little bit of mystique around the Kirkland products. And maybe that's why. Plus, all we're seeing right now is a soul shot from the USGA website. We don't know what else is going on. So, watch this space. When it comes out, I'll get pictures of it in hand, and then it'll quickly be off to Gene and then probably RB to test. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So, from Kirkland drivers to tailor made putters, this is a this is an interesting one too. So if you'll recall back in September, TaylorMade released their new Spider Tour putters. Now there were four different versions of the Spider putter in this new lineup, but they saved one of them for a, for a, a tour only exclusive year. And it's the putter that Scotty Scheffler used for, I said a brief period, I mean, he used it in Memphis. And then went back to the went back to the Scotty during the Tour Championship, but this is this is basically the exact same putter that he used in Memphis. It it has no weights in the the far like outer regions of this head, and it has all of the weight up around the face. It has a milled face. It has the the screws that fasten the the face and the hosel to the rest of the body. I, I do. I love this. I love that. Again, going back to the the conversation we've had countless times on this pod. Every single time that a tour pro uses a tour only prototype, people complain. Um, oh man, here we go. Tour only product. They always say that you can use the same stuff as the pros. And look at what the retail stuff looks like. It doesn't look anything like the, like the putter that Scotty Scheffler are using. And here you go. Here's the putter. You got a pony up for it. 500 Put bones. Put your money where your mouth is folks. 500 bones for this putter. And they said it's limited, but they didn't say how many. I really wonder how many, like what does limited mean in this case? I don't know. That's a great question. There's still I mean, there putters are, up there. Uh, I looked this morning on their website, and it still says that they're in stock. So if you want one and you're listening to this pod on Thursday when it's coming out, I'm going to guess that there are still putters. 500 bucks is a lot for a putter.
1: I realize I, I like, mean
0: from
2: – Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. I was just going to say it. I mean, it, just like anything else, it's all relative as far as a monetary price point goes. I mean, you get into some of the boutique brands, and five hundred bucks is their entry-level putter. Uh, if you are a, a putter aficionado or a serious golfer that you know has a a timeout closet with several putters in it, uh, I can't even begin to fathom the amount of money that I have sitting in my closet in the form of putters that are just kind of on a rotation whenever I get bored with a shape, uh, but. I mean, 500 bucks to have something that is limited, like you said, and has had some representation on tour, that's not bad. I mean, I wouldn't say that 500 bucks for a, a cool putter is uh, is a big ask. I mean, the uh, company that I collect with the head cover, Swag, I mean, they don't drop a putter for less than 1000 bucks when they do a, a big putter release, and those things sell out in seconds. So, I mean, if you've got something that is limited, is cool, is something that you're going to be gaming, I mean, putter is the one piece of equipment other than golf ball that you pretty much use every single hole. So pony up for something cool. I'm all right with 500. Yeah, it's not crazy. That was, Chris, expensive. That was
1: Chris's TED talk on justifying all of his putters. Yeah,
0: yeah. The justification <laughs> <That's> of <it. laughs> his, his I, cover collection.
2: <laughs> I feel I feel better about it. I'm I'm not going to lie. As I sit here with one over my uh, one over my shoulder here that I I haven't even taken out on the uh, where's that camera here on the golf course yet that uh, is sitting here with a a retail price tag of
1: uh, a little nice. over a thousand bucks <clears throat> so yeah it's to, uh, it's all it's all relative to Chris's point like and I I will say like yeah like again talking to people who like listen like I get and like I see it on social all the time like look I get it like. Fifteen hundred dollars for set of irons is a lot. Four thousand dollars for a set of irons, like anything out there, like things can get very expensive, very, very quickly. Um, and I know for a fact, like the the lab uh, long putter that I use, like if you piece together the build that I have, it's probably like seven seven hundred dollars. Like a, I'm not I'm not playing that down by any means. Like that is, a, that is a very expensive piece of equipment. Now on the other hand, I just bought, spent my own money went out, was browsing the place where you buy used equipment online and went st- stupid and bought another one, not that one, but an old Scotty Cameron. And it was, it was like 150 bucks. And that was like, the guy shipped it for 150 bucks. He's like, he probably hated it so much. He just wanted to get rid of it, which I'm very thankful for. So there's always alternatives to this, um, forward center gravity. Taylor made did that with the F- FCG putters, like the spider putters with the copper insert. Like you can go out and find things similar if you're looking for it. Now obviously like this is a limited edition option and i think it's cool like it, it's kind of one of those things where they said people asked for it and they delivered, right? And being a putter it's something that i think consumers can attach to and try it out and actually like find success with it because it's very different than say like a tour driver or a tour fairway I can remember finding a tour driver. I'm sure Chris, i would lo- I'm sure you have much experience with this cuz i know I hit the golf ball generally very high just because I'm flippy. I know you have the exact opposite of like creating spin. But yep. I found an an R540 XD driver. This is like tour issue only, 8.5 degree driver. It had an Acra SE80, which for those golf, old school golf shaft nerds, this thing was a pole. But I found it for like 125 bucks years after it was released. And I thought, I got to buy it because it's tour issue. I got to buy the tour issue driver. I couldn't get it off the ground. I'm like physically could not get it off the ground. I <laughs> it if it peaked at 50 50 feet, it was a it was like wow, I really hit that one good. And I pulled the shaft and sold the head and like used the shaft in a fairy wood or something because I was just like it was cool to have the components. But that's where the curiosity behind tour like tour equipment is something where it's like it's just all it is it's, it's being fit for the best players in the world. And let me tell you some 18-year-old kid out there, or 23-year-old kid, I don't know how old I was, does not need an eight and a half degree driver, probably opened up till it was like four degrees with an 85 gram super extra stiff shaft in it. Okay. It was awful. <laughs> but it's not the golf club's fault. It's my fault because it didn't fit. But with a putter, to Chris's point, and I like, do you find when you fit with putters, how much do you worry about center of gravity? Like what is, like what is that? Because I'm actually very fascinated about like, how that works when you are using. Uh, I know you use Quintic, right because I've seen the again, the Odyssey video uh, seeing that, like how much does that play a part in the fitting process? Uh, I mean, as far as like selecting
2: center of gravity, I there's there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, release pattern, stroke type, uh, strike location, eye dominance, uh, I mean dynamics, how they introduce the face through impact. I mean, you can do a lot with optics and shape and neck design and weight. Um, I mean, the CG conversation isn't really one that we have a ton, to be honest with you. I mean, it really kind of comes down to, okay, what kind of player do I have? What type of feel do they essentially prefer? Am I going with something that is uh, a soft face versus a hard face when it comes to inserts? Do they like the feel of something that is milled uh, consistency and impact. Am I going to get something that has a forward optic versus a rear optic, a, a double bend versus a single bend versus a plumber's neck or slant neck, and then forward optics versus rear optics. I mean, there's a lot of different things that really kind of play into putter fitting just to complement what it is that the player does naturally. And then also their visual perception. So I mean, optics and shape and neck design are huge and just controlling face through impact is what we're focusing on. So I guess revisiting the original question, like how much do we talk about CG and a putter fitting? Really not much, to be honest with you. I mean, it's good to know as a fitter, if you have somebody that's hitting it all over the face and you're looking for that higher MOI design, Great. If we have a CG that's far away from the face, but I mean, like Odyssey kind of figured out when they introduced the 5k, taking all of the discretionary weight and putting it right up against the face and positioning it heel and toe, you don't see a lot of twisting or a lot of movement and it helps to stabilize the head. So, I mean, there's, there's so many different things that go into putter fitting. CG is usually not part of the conversation like it is when you're fitting a driver, for example.
1: I find that I just find it so fascinating, because like, the the idea of like, what dynamic, and to your point, I think it's one of those things where you don't necessarily talk about it with the golfer. But it's very important to the fitter, because you're analyzing, you're taking all of that information, and putting it through like, I don't mean this is like a joking manner, but you're like computing it like a little supercomputer, and spitting out like three or four options, which is like a shaft matrix, right? Like, it's kind of the same thing, like, load pattern, weight, strength speed and then you go to the wall and people see this big wall of color of golf shafts and you go one two three four and you can go over and say these are the ones because you've used that decision tree to find that and for the putters it's kind of that same thing which i think is when at the end of the day the goal is to help the golfer putt better it's not really necessarily to like say here's your center of gravity to do this but it is a part of the equation yeah that's cool
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, the the biggest variable that we try and control is consistency of face angle at impact and then deviation over a large sample. So perfect world scenario, we try and get the control of the face inside of a half degree as an average, and then the deviation inside of a half degree. So, I mean, if you think about what we test on primarily in our putting studios is just a dead flat, straight nine to 10 foot putt. And any deviation of more than a degree at impact, you miss the hole completely at 10 feet. So if our delta essentially for what we consider good is a half degree, that even if your opener closed a little bit, if the speed is right, you have a chance to at least catch a portion of the cup. So trying to fit for whatever combination of, length, head design, optic, weight, blah, 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 it comes together to create the right feel to allow the player to return the face to square more often than not and hit the center of the face so that the speed is more consistent. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to make more putts. So that's, that's what we focus on more than any real performance characteristic or performance metric that we would talk about with some of the other different club fitting categories
1: i like that a lot i listen Everybody to this just conversations lists, if you haven't listened to that make sure you're if you're paying attention out there go back and listen to that again
0: <laughs> yeah i, I, cool. I listen to i listen to these conversations between you two and it just it just makes me feel like such a peon i like I, I you guys are so smart when it comes to gear and i'm just like oh cool I'm just going to sit here and just listen, maybe, maybe I'll get a little bit smarter today. And as you're talking about, I'm just over here, like looking at like, what is a, what is a spider tour X proto putter cost for on eBay? And so yeah, you guys are talking about stuff that matters. And I'm just like, how much are people reselling these for, by the way, resellers, they suck. I hate resellers. Oh, and you yeah. know, I guess fair play because you're making money off of people and getting this product. These putters, I'm, I'm shocked. So people are selling a $500 putter. They're trying to, I should say, they're trying to sell it for anywhere from $1,200 to $9.95. So they're, they're basically trying to double up their money. Somebody actually paid for just today. I felt bad for this guy, but somebody paid $950 when they could have just gone to TaylorMade's website and bought one oh
2: yeah that's that's painful maybe
0: maybe they don't care about money maybe they're a billionaire but yeah resellers suck man i hate (laughs) them
2: yep same uh same thought here i as somebody again that uh lives in a a collector's environment and tries to to hunt down and finish sets and and collect hard to find desirable items seeing somebody that has absolutely no intention to do anything with that cover or item that I'm after, other than just flip it for max
1: profit. It just pisses me off. Yeah. They suck. Like right. Yep. Yep. Before yep. I was gonna say before, before we get, cause that actually transitions into our next topic actually very smoothly. Um, I will say, remember for anyone who's curious, head over to, uh, inside golf. For golf.com, you can uh, browse. You know, we talk about all like all kinds of equipment. I posted a little story a little while ago, um, and we also we just posted a thing on uh, on the golf.com Instagram. There is a, going to be an inside golf members only event at Pinehurst. So if you're curious in events like this, you're curious in looking through all kinds of back archives of golf magazine, including old club tests. Uh, magazines which I, I mean i've been diving into them and they are a they are a blast to look at because i was i was re- i was really curious how the tommy armor 845s tested with our club test testers back in 1989 <laughs> so uh, you can go to uh, golf.com with go inside golfing check that out it's a it's a very reasonable uh yearly membership there that does come with some really cool perks including the back of the again the back catalog of, of magazines as well as you know every magazine that does come out uh, so you can check that out there and one of the things is like, you know, we talked about old um, like articles about Augusta and stuff like that. You, Jonathan, posted this sweetest piece of memorabilia, which was the signed Bobby Jones, um, like steak, like literally like a piece of stock in Augusta National. Yeah, like, that was so fr- I'm like that when you post that, I'm like, look, I'm, I don't like covet a lot of like collectible stuff. Especially like autographs, like as a kid, like I liked autographs. I think at one point I went to Universal Studios and got all the Ninja Turtles autographs, which is pretty sick. For like when you're like eight <laughs> years old, I'm just gonna put it out there. They they just hold a rubber stamp and like hit the thing, right? Like they're dudes in suits, okay. But to see like Bobby Jones signing like a a, a piece of like Augusta National history, like from the yeah, founding, it was yeah,
0: it was a stock certificate for that's insane for Augusta National, yeah, it was it's an original 1944 stock certificate that was issued by Augusta to one of its uh, earliest members Clement S Castleberry and i listen if i had if i had a, a lot of money just sitting around i would buy this thing no joke it's already up over $10,000 it's being sold at auction through golden age which i mean pretty much if you have anything of significance when it comes to golf gear, you should be selling it through Golden Age because like, that's all they do is is auction off golf gear. And, oh, by the way, they have a pretty interesting putter in in their latest auction. So we've talked in the past about Tiger Woods, Scotty Cameron Newport, two putters. And over the years, we've seen some backup versions of Tiger's putter. And I don't really need to, to get everybody up to date on what the new Port 2, Scotty Cameron putter that Tiger Woods uses. I feel like everybody knows it. If you listen to this podcast, you know the, you know what this putter is. You know the significance of it. It is the Elder Wand. It is the, a putter that if it ever came to auction, a buddy of mine, actually, the founder of Golden Age, Ryan Carey, said that this putter would go for over $10 million. Now, backups don't go for anywhere close to that because they are backups. That Scotty Cameron's made backup versions, different you know slight iterations to these putters over the years, maybe not the exact same stamping, but he he has them so Tiger can have a backup putter in case anything happens, but he never uses them. Tiger continues to use the same gamer. He's used it since 1999 and has never saw a reason to, to try out a different one for very long. He's tried out other putters before. I mean, he's tried out TaylorMade mallets. He actually tried out a, a different version of a, of a Newport too. But again, the backups are never have never really been used until now. This is a really cool story, guys. So last year, a a backup a backup version of Tiger's putter with almost the exact same stamping sold for almost four hundred thousand dollars. And the latest one is what they're calling the secret gamer. Now anything with the word that's secret That's what I'd call it too if I was trying to sell it. Yeah. It this absolutely this putter is that's clickbaity. Yeah, and, and that's that's why I put it in the headline. You got you gotta get people to click. The the interesting part about this putter is that the story actually hasn't been corroborated because Scotty Cameron has never actually fessed up to to what he added to the certificate of authenticity. So for people that haven't read the story, go check it out on golf.com, but I'll give you sort of the the Cliff Notes version. The putter was owned by a a Scotty Cameron distributor named Rand Palace. And back in uh, like around like 2015, Scotty gave him this putter. And so Rand, I, now what I want to know is why, if Scotty gave him this putter, why didn't he tell Rand like, hey, this is this is a special putter? Like he, he just like sent it to him, didn't tell him the backstory. But as the story goes, Rand sent it back to Scotty and asked for a certificate of authenticity. And when the certificate of authenticity was sent back to him with the putter, it said on there that the putter was a very rare actual backup putter now if you look at the other backup gamers they will say made for tiger woods this is the only one that has on the certificate of authenticity very rare actual backup putter and the reason why it has this is apparently um, at some point during tiger's career in anger he chucked the putter his gamer putter the putter required um, surgery necessary repairs were needed to be made and during that time they sent Tiger a backup and he was forced to put another putter in play. He never actually mentioned it. Now this, again, this is all, this is all just, we don't know if this is legit. Scotty's never, Scotty's never confirmed it, but it is very fascinating. So this putter was apparently used. And that's why it has very rare backup putter. So I, I don't know. I think this thing's gonna gonna go well beyond four hundred thousand dollars. I think I think half a million is definitely in play. Let me see what the price is right now. Uh, at the time of publishing of this podcast, the current bid is uh, just over one hundred twenty six thousand with eleven days left.
2: I know we talked about this last time. There was a uh, a potential backup that was up for auction, but any any inkling to just throw a bid at it for fun, knowing that you're never actually going to win it, just just <laughs> go out there and, and say, oh yeah, I'll I'll throw a hundred and fifty thousand at it, no problem.
0: Just see what just happens, knowing sweat yeah, it out, just, just, just sweat it out. You're if not going to win. Sweat it out if it actually doesn't move off that number. <laughs>
2: I mean, I would, I would probably take pictures of it and and just be like, "Hey, I've got the winning bid for Scotty's backup gamer," and then watch it go to half a million.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is this thing's going to go well beyond the the. I think it was three hundred ninety three thousand. I it's this putter to me feels like it has a little bit of the same mystique as the Tiger Slam irons that sold in the last couple of years. Those are the irons that were. Uh, that Tiger had given to Steve Mata, who used to work a Titleist. Um, Mata sold them, and then a, a golf collector bought those irons, kept them, and then eventually he sold them. But the crazy thing was, is is Tiger and Mark Steinberg came out and said, like, those aren't the Tiger Slam irons. They're not. They're not from the Tiger Slam. And uh, we haven't heard Tiger say anything about this putter. So it's it's probably not on his radar. Maybe it is, but he seems to just, just not want like the have people make not, money off him. It it's just like to me, it's just it's just that there's not the confirmation from Scotty. I I don't think that that means anything. I don't think he would have added the like very rare actual backup putter to the certificate if there wasn't something truly special about that particular backup. But it's just like the mystique. I, I think it sort of adds to, to like why it's so special. Like you don't really know if it's actually true, kind of similar to the tiger irons. Like tiger said that that's not really a set that was used during the tiger slam. Like we don't know. And, and I think that's why, that's why people are going to be bidding on it is it's, it's got a cool backstory.
1: And knowing to like story, not, not as a, not as a plug, but like, I know I've listened to him talk before and, and knowing how hard, um, the, I know there's, there's only a couple people, but like how hard Golden Age auctions works to like authenticate and get this stuff. Like it, they only do a couple sales a year. They're not just, they're not just, it's not eBay where they just throw up like one thing like once in a while. Like they have these big lot sales of like very cool things. Um, and I know one of the other, I don't know who, I can't remember who posted it. And I don't, I don't know if it was Golden Age or not, but there was a one through sand wedge or lob wedge of like beryllium, copper, ping eye twos that had the US open, like a logo from the club. I want to say it was <clears throat> not Oak. What's the, where did Webb Simpson win again? Olympic Olympic, Olympic club, right? Club. Yeah. yeah. Olympic. Yep. So It had like the Olympic club logo on all the toes of the irons all the way through matching set, matching serial number with the matching grips. Someone posted that on Instagram. I have to find where it came from. I don't know if it was golden age or not, but all I could think of was, you know, the goals were like less than a thousand bucks. Like, cause I think it was like $300 starting or something. And I was like, man, I can buy those. <laughs> do I do I need them? No, but it's pretty sweet. Um, just to have like have like that like that set would be pretty cool. But you know, collector collector market's a weird place. I don't. I still don't get it. I know. I know Jonathan. Not to like blow up your spot. Like you like cards a little bit. Um, I don't Chris, like, like cards. Cutters. It's
0: specific. It's it's Michael Jordan cards. That's it. I'm I'm not I'm not a guy just out there buying everything in sight. It's it's got to be cool MJ's. And I think I've gotten a lot more discerning with like what I'm looking for. But yeah, I like cards.
1: Yeah. I just, I just think I, I you know, there's, I, as I've heard someone say, it only takes two people to create a market. And if you got two people bidding over this one thing, let me yeah. tell you, it could go to the freaking moon, right? It's, you know, yeah. there's not a lot of people who can buy, who can buy a, an NFL franchise, but if one goes up for sale, let me tell you, two people are going to argue over it and they're going to fight over it. And someone's going to spend a lot of money. So we'll see where this goes.
0: I got to say, before we get off this topic, if given the opportunity to own this actual backup or the the stock certificate, I'm going to take the stock certificate. I'm with you. Yeah, it's just so freaking cool
1: because that anyway, came if, from the place. That is from Augusta National. So the, I don't know. There's, think a, there's, lot, there's a lot. There's a lot of
0: history in that in that stock certificate. Yeah, who know, who the hell knows how many of these actually even even still exist? Um, it just it looks awesome. And as you mentioned, it's, it was issued by Augusta. It's, it is a really cool piece of history.
1: And hand signed by Bobby Jones before, not that he wasn't sick already. I know he had like, um, like, a um, a disease that ended up like kind of starting to like really mess with his mobility, but like to have that, to like have a perfect signature of his, as he was like getting older, uh, I think it's like, it's pretty sweet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Anyway, if you have money to burn, go check it out. It's on Golden Age Auctions. Really cool piece, along with the tiger Butter. All right, with that, let's get into this week's fully equipped hotline. Y'all have been bringing the questions. I, I have to say, I am very, very impressed. When we started the hotline, I was I was terrified. I thought, you know, maybe after the first couple, we might get you know a voicemail here or there we're getting like two to three every day these questions are good and so we've we've got a bunch banked i think eventually probably as we get closer to christmas we should do a hotline only episode where we just rip through you know let's say like 10 to 15 of these and just answer a bunch of questions before the end of the year but if you want to leave us a voicemail the phone number is 602-935 that's 602 935 4974. Coach has a couple of good ones for this week. Coach, hit us with them.
1: All right. This, uh, this first one is going to get Chris nice and riled up. So I'm pretty excited for it. We got a guy. We got a guy with a question about is his fitter just doing a bit too much?
0: Hello, gentlemen. This is Shankopotamus down in the great state of Tennessee. Got a fitting question for you. So we have a fitter here that likes to, let's say, tweak your swing while doing a fitting. My question is, do I need to find another fitter that will fit my equipment to my swing without making any changes? Or do I need to listen to this gentleman fight through the changes to make the new equipment work for me? Appreciate the pod. Keep up the good work. I saw Chris's mm. face scrunch up when Shankopotamus started to, to mention the changes. So I think I already know where he's going to go with this. But Chris, the floor is yours.
2: All right. All right. How, how much time we have for this answer? <laughs> As, uh, this could, uh, all the time this could you get need. us in the weeds a little bit. This this could get us in the weeds a little bit. And uh, So if I give you the condensed uh answers slash recommendation the only time only time that i will make any commentary in regards to a player swing is if we literally cannot get the ball airborne or we are just absolutely falling over trying to make contact um I, I'm not going to make any commentary about a player's swing. I'm not going to change anything with a player's swing in order to make a piece of equipment work. I mean, the, the whole premise, in my opinion, when it comes to custom fitting, is just that, custom fitting a golf club or a set of clubs to complement how it is that you swing and what it is that you do naturally. So essentially, if I'm looking at a player that is way over the top, way in to out, flips it at the bottom, hangs the face open, slams the face shut. There are things that you can do to complement those patterns and minimize a miss. So if I physically have to change what it is that a player is doing naturally with their swing in order to get a result that I'm looking for as a fitter, I when I'm training my 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 fitters and when I'm in my true spec hat, and I'm in the fitting bay, and I'm working with anybody, I am not giving advice, even when asked, and I'm not making changes to how it is that a player naturally moves. If I say anything, I may say something along the lines of, you know, do you typically play your ball that far back in your stance, that far forward in your stance? You know, when you're on the course, do you typically reach that much for it? Are you always that close to it? Uh, things like that, just if I'm noticing something weird that doesn't necessarily look natural. I mean, Spatial awareness when you are outdoors on a golf course versus indoors in a, in a bay or indoor environment. Some of those types of things are going to be different just when it comes to a player's visual perception and how it is that they perceive the environment in a box versus outside on the golf course. So I may make commentary like that, but at no point in time, am I trying to change a pattern or change how it is that a player is swinging a golf club? So uh, do you need to find another fitter? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I would go to that extreme without physically seeing it. I would have to ask, uh, how far off is the equipment from performing? with your normal swing versus what it is that he's trying to do. And for this particular gentleman, I would want to know what type of background this fitter has with coaching and instruction. So is he certified? Does he, is he a member of the the local PGA section? Is he a a accredited coach or is this something that he is just trying to band aid his fit? And make the clubs work when the clubs don't necessarily fit what it is that the player is naturally doing. So that's my two cents.
1: That was well said. I think um, you no. Know, the only the only thing I would add to that is uh, to your point. Like I if, when I when I was like more in a fitting environment, I would never offer advice unless someone asked. And then even then, like I'm only doing like tiny, tiny little things to the point of talking ball position, talking tee height. Or, and this is like the big or of this like whole situation is if someone asks why, like, why do Mm -hmm. I slice it? Why do I do this? Why do I do that? Because then a lot of times, and I know I'm like this, I'm a visual learner. When you have that big screen in front of them and you're, you know, it's not, we're not talking gears here where you're giving all kinds of information or swing catalysts or something like that. you're just saying, this is what your swing path does. This is where your face angle does. And this is what's happening. Or you maybe explain it in a different way, because to your point, the equipment is designed to fit your golf swing. Like it is a fit. It is it is designed to be a fit. And if you put this in any other scenario, no one is going to get fit for a suit or a wedding dress and being like like you no know, one none of these tailors or seamstresses or whatever it happens to be is going to go. This suit, this dress is going to look amazing as soon as you lose that last seven pounds. No one is saying that. <laughs> They're just gonna make exactly. it work for you, right? Like that's the whole point. So again, unless you're asking, unsolicited advice in a fit is, is generally a no go for most fitters. But if they are a coach and you're curious and you open that door, well, you've opened that door. But in general, if someone is trying to band aid a golf club based on a, a um a swing change, I might go get a second opinion. And that's where I will also stand. That was, a very good, that was a very good question. I, that's a really good
2: question, and I mean, there's there's a lot of people out there that have that same type of mentality on one end of the spectrum or the other. To where when I go get a fitting, I don't want any commentary about my golf swing, and all I want to do is talk about the the equipment and what equipment's going to work best for me. And then there's also that that player that comes in and they expect almost to have a quasi lesson during a fitting experience. And I mean, at TrueSpec, we're a brand agnostic, high-end, custom-fitting, custom-building company. At no point during a session at TrueSpec are you going to get unsolicited swing advice. And I mean, if there's anybody out there that's gone to a spec and has had that, you know, please contact me because that is something that we are, we are not uh, advocating for. <laughs> so the... The ideal fitting environment is to fit the player, not the product, and to look at what it is the player does naturally and find the correct complement of shaft, head, and set composition to allow that player to do what it is that they do naturally and play better golf.
0: You guys nailed it. On to the next question. All right, <laughs> there we go.
2: Shankopotamus, we appreciate that one. That was a good one. That was a very good
0: one. Like I said, lots of good questions coming in to the hotline. Let's see if number two can, uh, can match Shankopotamus. Coach, what we got? All right,
1: one more for the week. And this one has a little apology to RB built in up front.
0: Oh. Ah. Hey,
1: Redford again from Utah. And last time I called, I told RB he had to get better. He had to hear my advice and improve because you said to be honest too many times well to be honest my man has done a great job and so i do have a question for you i'm going to put rb on my top five list of people who could read and add and get it just right segway beautifully folks in utah we're coming in the winter what would be your top five list of training aids that can be used indoors to improve your golf swing great that's
0: question. a i
1: mean that's a good question And it depends on what you're trying to improve. I think that's the biggest thing. My, in my opinion, the one that I use all the time, this is not an ad. Okay. It might sound like one, but I've been a user for two years. I know Jonathan's talked to him as well. I like the stack. People ask about it all the time. And the biggest thing is, and one of the questions I get is how does it done? What has it done to your accuracy? What has it done to your golf swing? And to both things without doing anything else, it has made me better because now I'm I'm understanding how my body works, how I balance out speed and how I control it. So when I bring that to the golf course, I actually play better golf. And to me, it is a more it is an, a, an investment, but I think when you are inside if you can just swing something, that's the number 1. Number 2, this has nothing to do with actual golf clubs, but or like training aids, resistance bands. Okay, look. I'm I'm a look, I'm a frugal human being. I'll put it I'll put it nicely, okay? Having resistance bands, I have them sitting, literally sitting around my house and I'll pick them up and I'll stretch my shoulders and I'll just, I have one always in my golf bag. So I get to the first tee, it looks kind of weird, but like, I'm just stretching out my shoulders. When you are inside, you start, everyone calls it golf fit. You start wearing out or like you start using less of those, those golf fitty muscles sometimes. So that's, that would be number two. Number three would be a, uh, like a pressure board. You'll see these where it looks like a little teeter-totter. Another great one. You can make your own. I made my own. You can go out and buy them if you want. Um, I think it's it's a great option to have where you're just working on like understanding your body, working with a coach, or just, again, using videos online, whatever you're looking at. Other than the stack, all of these are, like, again, very affordable, very accessible. Um,
0: can I throw are, another like, one in ones.
1: Yeah, go go ahead. I was just, the other one was going to be sling the golf slingshot, which is something where like it's like stack, but it it's more of like a flexible thing that I like to use. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I got I use that as a warm up when I do my stack because it, it kind of triggers different muscle groups as far as loading and unloading. Uh, but that's I mean that's I'm not a big training a guy. I'm more of like a body and like working on like a swing thing. So uh, I'm curious what you guys have because I've only got four.
0: Yeah, I would say get yourself a a good. A good putting mat and a and a putting mirror, and work on work on eye position, and just just groove your stroke when it's when it's you know snow on the ground. I, th- I think that's a good one. That'll get you in a good spot when when the season does come around. And the other one, have you guys seen the divot board?
1: That's I was yeah, thinking yeah. about. It. I
0: couldn't think of what it was called. Yes, that's yeah, a pretty good yeah. one. The, the, the divot boards a really good one because. A lot of golfers struggle with with the low point, and also with swing path, and so they're bottoming out the club at the wrong spot. Uh, Divot board's really good at at learning how to to groove low point when you're when you're impacting that golf club with the turf and golf ball. And it also works on, on kind of showing you where the path it's, it's a cool device. My, my kids, my girls wear those, they call them the flippy shirts. The ones where if you flip it one way, it looks like one thing and then you flip it the other direction and it looks like something else. It looks, it's, it's like a flippy shirt, but, but a golf yeah. sequence. A flippy a sequence. sequence. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's a flippy sequence. It's, it's that kind of, of material, but it's, it's, extra durable. So like the little, you know, sequence on a shirt, like those things could, those things fly off all the time. I see those all around my house everywhere, but with this one, you're not going to have that issue. And again, it's one of those where you could just grab a wedge or, or, you know, any iron in your bag and just work on just trying to groove um, a consistent low point and then working on swing path. And I think that's That's another one where you can do pretty much anywhere as, as long as you've got some space to swing a golf club you can, you can do it and just have some fun, work on your game.
1: Another one, golf specific, but not golf specific. There are options for both of this. And I will mention a product as I have to get to the end, but like go online and get yourself a tripod and a clip for your phone. All right. Cause you can use this for your putting. You can look at analyzing your putting stroke. You can look at a lot of like little different things with your golf swing whether you're using a big mirror and a lot of people don't have a big mirror, so you can use something where it just sits on a tripod and you're, you know, you work on positions or something like that, which I think is, again, is a big help for golfers who are just trying to get better and looking at little ways to do it. What I like to use, and I have one is the eye range. I use it when I do my stack out in the garage, <laughs> I kind of, you know, I, I overload all of these things on top of each other and it has a magnet. So I use my phone, uh, you know, they were a former sponsor, I'll give them a shout out, Rockform. They do really cool phone cases with magnets on them. Stick it to a magnet, stick it to your your case, stick it anywhere. You can if you got steel, you can stick it on it and you can use it as a as a mirror, as a recording device. Is it to Chris's point for launch monitors? It probably doesn't it doesn't give you the information of saying like your swing path and all that stuff. It's that don't don't use video for that. There's a reason no one out on tour is sitting around with a the video. They're all using launch monitors nowadays. But it is a good way to if especially if you're putting using a mirror, looking at your posture from behind and kind of checking over and over and over again. These things, training aids are great. They can be great. There are ones that are very, very productive and helpful for certain things. It's very difficult to recommend certain things for certain fixes, but if you focus on the basics, you will build and help build yourself a better, a better golf game in the off season. So, um, that's, that's the way I would go with it
2: if I can add one, I, one of my absolute favorites, uh, when I was coaching, uh, was the orange whip. And Very when I was working with a player that was trying to develop their swing, they were trying to figure out what it was to have a consistent repeatable swing. Uh, one of my favorite things to do with them for homework was I would send them off to purchase a orange whip and I would have them swing it and swing it with their eyes open, left-handed, right-handed, cross-train work on what it feels like to create separation between pelvis and torso. Also focusing on some dynamic balance and width of arc length of arc. And then I would also have them do that same drill, left-handed and right-handed with their eyes closed. So when you take away your eyes and your body's natural level, you really start to focus on dynamic balance and where it is that pressure in your feet is. So incorporating that weighted you know, whip with the right-handed and left-handed swing with your eyes closed and really trying to focus on feeling pressure in your feet and also just how fast you can get your body to move while maintaining balance while your eyes are closed and you start to really pick up some nuances and also some inconsistencies in the swing. So if you have constant motion, both left-handed and right-handed with your eyes closed, you start to figure out where it is you're starting to lose power and efficiency and how it is to effectively use your feet in the ground. So just something that's kind of cool you can do in the off season. You'd be surprised how much speed you pick up and also how much your, uh, your ball striking uh, can improve.
0: I love it. Those are two great questions. Like I said, we got a bunch more. We'll get to them in the coming weeks. So make sure you leave us a voicemail at 602-935-4974. And we'll get to a few more of them next week. Boys, I think that'll do it for this week's episode of Fully Equipped. If you want more gear goodness, check us out on the social channels. We are at fully underscore equipped on Twitter, X, whatever i'm going to keep calling it twitter even though it's now x and at full cup golf on instagram thanks all for listening see you next week